So last week, or actually a couple weeks ago, Jesse ended the year coming into the new year with Are You Ready? Which was great. Talking about, you know, the things that we need to do to start getting ready for the stuff that God is wanting to do. Last week, I, I talked about being rooted and established in Jesus. So, you know, what that means, because God's wanting to have us build a firm foundation so that we can build something of quality within our own lives, within our families, that will spill over into society and everywhere else. But we have to learn how to build that firm foundation. And today, I want to talk to you, and I have a question for you. Are you willing? Are you willing? And the question, or the answer, probably depends on what I, you're being asked to do, right? Are you willing? Well, maybe, but what are you asking me to do? You ask me to go ski, I'm willing. If you're asking me to move, eh, maybe not, you know? Are you willing? And the question that God stirred within me this week was, are you willing to do what it takes for your roots to be fully established? Like what, what we talked about last week, about being, having our, being rooted and being established, are we actually individually willing to do what it takes to have our roots established? It sounds great to be rooted and established until we start really thinking about all the work that is required to be established. This morning, I want to give us some very practical things to do in order for us to be able to help answer that question of, are we willing? I've got three points this morning. The points themselves will not be on the screen, but the scriptures will be. And the three things that, that, that I believe that we need to do to be able to answer that question, if, if we are willing to be rooted, if we are willing to be established, we have to think of this from a very natural standpoint as well as a spiritual. And what, what we need to do is think about what it takes for a farmer to root and establish something. It takes some very specific steps in order for those things to be rooted and established, right? I can't just sit there in the middle of July and go, I think maybe I should go buy a tomato plant and plant that and I'm going to have tomatoes tomorrow. It's not a great idea. It's something that I already should have been doing leading up to July, right? And the three main steps, I mean, and if you're a farmer, I'm, I know I'm oversimplifying this, okay? So don't be like, well, Chris, actually, I, I know, I'm very much going to oversimplify this. But the three steps, the first one is that you have to plant and sow. I'm sorry, plow and sow. You have to plow and sow. The second one is that you have to be patient. And the third one is, is that you stabilize and you harvest. And so in order for a root to be established well, and in order for things to grow in the natural, the first thing is, is that the ground has to be turned over, right? If, if I've decided that, you know what, I, we are going to build a garden right out here, I can't just go out there, dig a whole plant. I mean, it might grow a little bit, 
but I need to actually turn that soil over, get that soil moving, move those things around so that it can release the nutrients that need to be released in order for us to be able to actually then sow more easily. So you have to plow first and then you sow, right? Same concept of plowing and sowing within a field, the same concept is also true in building a foundation. It amazes me how much dirt work you have to do before you can even lay a foundation. I mean, I remember when we, when we bought this property and we were gonna build the church up here and we thought, yeah, there's gonna be a great location. We kind of, you know, had a little bit of a gentle slope. We thought, yeah, you know, those probably have to move a little bit of dirt was my thought because I didn't understand that, that entire process. And my goodness, the amount of dirt they had to move. I'm going, okay, our building's not that big. How in the world are we having to do all of this? But in order to get everything ready for the foundation, you had to scrape out so much of the old. You had to dig down to something that was solid and get rid of the things that were not. Anybody who is seeing the new development that's being um, built down here just on, on the east side of town, the amount of dirt that they are moving blows me away. I'm going, oh, yeah, that'll be great. I mean, that's already pretty flat. Holy cow. No, they are just in there moving everything that they have to move in order to make everything the way that it needs to be so that it can be in a sure footing. See, a lot of us love the idea of having the foundation built, but we don't necessarily like the process of all the old being moved away so that the new can come. I mean, maybe you love change. Maybe you're the kind of person who's like, man, I like something new every day. That's great. Good for you. That's not me, all right? I enjoy change like in increments of, you know, a little bit at a time. But in order to be able to have the foundation of our life built, in order to be able to sow and plant all the things that God wants to plant, he first has to plow up the field. He first has to remove the top layer so that you can get down to everything where it needs to be. See, many of us love the idea of being rooted and established as long as it means that we don't have to change anything. Right? Oh, come on, right? I love this idea of being rooted and established, but hold on a second, God. You want me to actually change that? No, come on. I built that on a good foundation of Doritos. I mean, come on, that is great. And God's going, no, no, no. I need you to build this on my foundation. Too often, even in church, we can build things on the foundation of doing the right things and our heart not be in it. Well, I'm just here to do this. Well, I got to go to church at Sunday morning. Well, I got to do this. Well, I got to this. 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 And we actually lose sight of why we are doing everything that we're doing. And when those times come and in those areas of our lives, sometimes it's probably even with our spouses, with our kids, with our job. When any of those things begin to kind of, the priorities get out of whack, we will inadvertently Make it about us instead of making it about him. 
And in that moment, our foundation has shifted from something solid to something that will not last when the shaking happens in life. See, I have a question for us, and this is not to... If you were here last week, how many of us remember that I gave you guys a homework exercise to do this week? All right. How many of us did it? Fewer. But hey, some of us did it. Now, for those of us who did it, did it make a difference in your life? Yeah. The people who did it are shaking their head. Yes, it did. So my question is, that was a foundational thing that God was kind of sweeping away the way that we thought about everything else and didn't actually think about God loving me. We, we had this thought of God loves the world, but turning it personal and saying God loves me and doing this homework of saying, hey, Jesus loves me. Just doing that simple phrase and people are going, man, it, it changed something. It changed something in my life. I began to see him differently. I began to experience his love for me differently. I began to have a different outlook and a different attitude because what you were doing is you allowed God to scrape off the stuff that didn't need to be there. I mean, not all of it because we're still human, but you know, you allow God to scrape off some of the stuff and then you began to plant differently into those things of your life. If you didn't do it because you forgot or you weren't here, I want to challenge you this week at different times to say, Jesus loves me. Just remind yourself, Jesus loves me. It will change you, I promise. And if you did start doing it last week, keep doing it because it's still a good thing to do. See, we have to actually be willing in order to be rooted and established in him, we have to actually be willing to do what his word tells us to do. I can't change my life if I'm not willing to actually do what God is asking me to do. I can change some of my actions for a little while, but unless I'm willing to actually do what God has told me to do, my life from the foundational stance will not change. And if I don't change, people around me are not going to be changed. In James chapter 1, verse 22, it says this. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard then God will bless you for doing it. If we just hear the word of God, if we come to church on a Sunday morning, if we do our devotions throughout the week and we're reading our Bible app or however we're doing it, if we go, man, that was really good, and then we forget it and we don't actually do it, it says we are like a person who looks in a mirror, says, man, I look good, and then turn around and go, wait, what did I look like? And we completely forget what we look like. I walk into rooms and forget what I was going in there to get, but I don't usually forget what I look like. We have to be willing to do the things that God is saying for us to do in order to be rooted and established. See, if we're not careful, this is 
this is kind of, I don't know, that, that whole principle of doing what God has asked you to do is kind of like, like it, it's a very difficult dynamic sometimes. Because if we're not careful, we can become doers out of obligation rather than doers just simply because I love Jesus. I don't just want to do out of obligation. I want to do it because I understand that he loves me and I just love him so much in return. See, love for Jesus has to be our motivation, which is why last week's message was so important because if we can begin to understand that Jesus loves me, not just Jesus loves us, but Jesus loves me, if we can begin to understand that, it changes the way that we do things. It changes our attitude toward the way that we do things. When love is my motivation, there isn't anything that I will not try to do. I mean, men, think about it. When you first started dating your wife, you were probably on your best behavior ever. Number one, right? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I've heard stories of a guy who, you know, his, the whole one side of his car was wrecked. And so every time he would pull up to his girlfriend's house when they were dating, he would pull up with the good side showing up. So that way, that was all she saw whenever they came out. When you're dating someone and you're, you're falling in love with them and, and you're doing all the things, man, you go over the moon out of love, right? Then, unfortunately, what happens sometimes is that you get married, life begins to happen, things get into a routine, and sometimes we begin to do things out of obligation instead of out of love. And if our heart is not out of love, then doing the things out of obligation, they are good things, but they have no meaning behind them. The same is true with our walk with God. Sometimes we're like, man, but God, I'm doing all the good things. Good, but why? Why do we do what we do? Well, it should be because we love Jesus so much that I just want to do it because I love him. I try to spoil my wife rotten, not because she deserves it, not because she expects it, but because I love her. And I want her to know that I love her. Not because I'm obligated to, but just because I want to. And so I want to do those things for Jesus as well. I just want to say, Jesus, I'm willing to do whatever it is you ask me to do, not because I must, but because I love you. And I know that if you're asking me to do something, it's going to be beneficial, not only for me, but for everyone who I come in contact with. See, if, if I let my heart grow cold toward Chrissy, then whenever I'm doing things out of obligation, I can build up a resentment. Right? I mean, I'm sure none of you guys have ever been there, but it, it has happened, all right? Where I... I I can begin to do things out of obligation and all of a sudden I can let resentment start building up inside of me. And on the flip side, if she lets her heart grow cold toward me, then she will develop a mentality of entitlement and that I am deserved this rather than just saying, man, I'm so glad that Chris loves me the way that he does. 
You see, in my relationship with Jesus, I have to make sure that my heart does not grow cold toward him. Because otherwise, in either way, I can do it out of obligation, which will build resentment. Well, God, I did all those good things. Why didn't you let this happen? Or I can just become so entitled. Well, but Jesus, you said you were gonna. (sighs) Right? Both of those reactions are wrong. It's because I have allowed my heart to grow cold toward him. And love was not my motivation in whatever it was that I was doing. We have to be willing to do the work that God is asking us to do so that we can see the harvest of God come to the earth. The book of Proverbs tells us this. In chapter 20, it says, those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. We need to make sure that we are willing to plow and sow seed in the right time. If I went out there right now and tried to plow this field and sow some seed, it's not going to be very beneficial, right? It's going to be extremely frustrating. It's going to be extremely maddening for me and anybody else who I can rope into helping me do it. Jesse, you know, I mean, and so it would be, it would be one of those things that would just be awful to do because it's not the right season. We have to be willing to plow and sow in the right season. We must keep doing the work and we must be willing to tell people about Jesus with love being our motivation, not out of obligation. The second point this morning is that after plowing and sowing, the second thing that we have to do is we have to be patient. This is probably the hardest one for me anyway. I've plowed the field. I've sowed the seeds. Now I just actually have to wait and let the things grow. I enjoy buying the plants that are already this big because I know that I'm going to get something from them pretty quick. I do not enjoy buying seeds because they take way too long to ever develop. And yet, God is saying, I need you to plow those areas of your life. I need you to sow the seeds that I'm asking you to sow into the soil, and now I need you to be patient. How foolish would it be for a farmer to go out there, he's just plowed, he sowed the seed, he did all the things, and then every day he goes out there and kind of takes a little bit of dirt. Is that growing yet? Is it growing yet? How far along is that one? That would be foolish because he would be ruining any progress that is being made, right? And yet, how often do we tend to do that within our own selves? about other people. Well, I planted that seed. That thing should have already been growing by now. I mean, God, just yesterday, I said I'm willing and nothing has changed today. Where are you at? Be patient. Allow the word to actually take root into your life and begin to develop something in you. A good farmer trusts the process of growth 
while still doing his part of maintaining the fields in the process. You still have to, after you've sown the seed, you still have to go out there and maintain the field, make sure that things are going the way they're supposed to. But it's not a micromanaging, digging up every hole, still going, okay, still growing, no, still growing. The Apostle Paul understood this, and he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he's talking to the church of Corinth because there's all kinds of, of just trouble there, and they're going, well, but we are disciples of Paul, and we are disciples of Apollos, who was one of the other apostles who would come along, and, and that they had all these different things, and, and they were like, well, no, I mean, you know, and they had these arguments in church that we look at and read and go, these are stupid. Why in the world were you doing this? And then we live life, we're like, oh, yeah, sometimes we're kind of stupid. Why in the world are we doing this? You know what I mean? And, and we have these silly arguments about nothing, but Paul says this. He goes, I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It is not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on the foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that we already have, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ is that firm foundation that we have to build upon. But Paul understood. He said, man, he goes, he goes it's all right, you know, that, that Apollos did this and I did this. It's not about who gets the credit. It's about making sure that it's God is the one who makes the seed grow. We have to make sure that we are being patient. See, some of us are having a hard time allowing God to grow the seed because we tend to compare our rate of growth to someone else. Come on. That's true. Too often we like to sit there and think that, but look how pretty their seed is. Oh my gosh. I mean, man, that entire plant has just bloomed so well and I'm over here doing nothing. Different seeds take different germination time. And they all serve a purpose. And I am very grateful that even in our own little backyard garden, you know, it's like this big, but I'm very grateful that even in that, not everything Harvest at the same time. Because if everything ripened at the exact same time, I wouldn't have any room for it all. And then it would all go to waste. What I could not use would go to waste. Whereas when everything else begins to ripen at different times, sweet, now I can use this. Now I can use this. A month later, I can use this. A month later, I can use this. And there is a process to the ripening so that it has the maximum benefit for the farmer. Don't get so discouraged simply because something isn't happening in the time that you think it should. Be patient and let God grow that seed. And then point number three is stabilize and harvest. As certain things begin to grow, sometimes they get so big for where they are that they have to be held up 
by an outside force, right? We had, we had some sunflowers this year that were huge. I don't even know where they came from. We had planted some like a year or two ago, and then everything else just happened. I mean, we had sunflowers that were probably, I don't know, 12, 15 feet tall. I mean, Denise and Shad could see them from their fence on the other side, and they're like, cool, Chrissy's got like a, you know, a farm going on over there. But we had these sunflowers that were huge. But as they, the taller they got, the heavier they got, and they began to do this. So I had to go out there with T-posts, and I had to stabilize them against the fence so that they would be at least somewhat straight and not just laying on the ground. As things grow, as people grow and mature in their walk with God, we need to make sure that sometimes, or we need to realize that sometimes we are called to be a stabilizing force for them. You might sit there and go, yeah, but Chris, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of leaning too. I have used two things leaned against each other to help stabilize them. That's okay. It's good to understand that we need to stabilize one another as we are waiting for harvest. Depending on, well, mainly because of where we live, there's that real tricky window of like, when do you start your tomato plants and when is it too late and you just burned them up? You know, and you're kind of going, because I can either freeze them to death or I can burn them up. I'm not sure which one I'm going to do. And there's like a three-day window, and that's about it, you know. And, and so as, 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 as you begin to do these things, there's this, this product called wall of water. And you can actually, it's, it's basically just a piece of plastic. You fill it with water, and you put it around the plant, and it does several things. It incubates this plant while it's also letting the water drip through to slowly water, to slowly nurture, but then it's also bringing warmth to the plant and it keeps it from getting destroyed by the wind while it is developing a root system. Some of us, I would actually say all of us, are called to at least someone to be their wall of water around them where we need to be that person who's willing to say, you know what, I've got you in this season. I've got you in this moment. I understand that right now you are just a little plant and you're growing, you're trying, you're trying to do all these things and I've got you in this moment and I'm gonna help make sure that I can help protect you from those elements because of who God has called me to be and the giftings that he's given me that are unique for you. I can help, develop, help you develop in your time by being this barrier for you but we have to be willing. We have to be willing. You see, if, if we are unable to stabilize, chances are good we're never going to be able to harvest when that season comes. If I didn't put up that wall of water or carry the plants in and out every night for however long you need to and all those kinds of things, I would not have a harvest in that right season. But if I'm willing to do these things now while these plants are developing roots, I'm going to have a much greater harvest when the season comes. Amen. Jesus tells us that we have to be willing to do certain things in order for us to see the harvest. And Jesus tells us in, in, in John chapter 4, he says this. He says, you know the saying, 
Four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you did not plant. Others had already done the work and now you will get to gather the harvest. We have to be ready because Jesus says that the harvest is already ripe. It is ready to go. So now we're going, yeah, but Chris, I'm not even rooted and established yet. That's okay because you are getting rooted and established. And in the meantime, you can still reach out and say, hey, we're there together. Let's do this. I want to help stabilize you. You can help stabilize me. I mean, not like in an unhealthy way. You guys understand that, right? But you know, but say, hey, this is rooted in who Jesus is. And I want to be able to do this because he has given me this ability to be able to do it. For some people, the stabilization might be a longer season. For other people, it might be a short season. That's okay. If God is calling you to do it, he's going to give you the grace and the ability to walk it out. But we have to be willing to say yes to what he is asking of us. See, ask yourself these questions. Am I willing to bring in the harvest? Am I willing to put in the work to see the harvest come in? Asking ourselves these questions might go, man, Chris, I don't know. I don't know that I really want to be that. I don't know that I can be that. I have so much going on in my life or I've already been through so much and there's, I have nothing else to give. Then I would ask you this, okay, maybe you're not willing at this moment, but are you willing to be made willing? Because that's a heart posture. It's honest to say, God, I, I want to, but I'm not willing at the moment. Okay, but are you willing to be made willing? Because if I'm willing to be made willing, then the Holy Spirit can change everything inside of my life. And he can scrape away those areas that need to be scraped away and plant the right seed and allow the harvest to come up in my own life in all those areas that need to be changed as well. Are you willing to be made willing? God is wanting to establish you and me in ways that we have never thought possible. But we have to be willing to do things differently than we've always done them. If I want change, I have to change. I can dream about having this incredible physique, all that I want. If I'm not willing to go to the gym and make something happen... It's never going to come to about, come about. If I'm not willing to make changes in my life for that to happen, it'll never come about. I love tacos too much. It's okay. <clears throat> but I have to be willing to change certain things in my life if I want to see change happen. Are you willing 
to get up earlier in the morning and spend some time in prayer if he asks you to? Are you willing to read the Bible more? Are you willing to love the unloved and the unlovely? Are you willing to be patient with yourself and others and the seeds that God has planted as they are beginning to mature? Are you willing to maybe just show up to church early and spend some time praying? Are you willing to invite your neighbor to come to church so that they can know Jesus? Are you willing to be made uncomfortable? We may have said yes to every single one of those and that one came, oh God, I don't know that I want to be uncomfortable. I like comfort a lot. It's my favorite kind of food. But are we willing to be made uncomfortable? Are we willing to die to ourselves so that he can be glorified in us? And the last one, and it's the most important for each of us, I think. That last one, are we willing to die to ourselves so that he can be glorified? That's the one. We have to be willing to say, God, whatever you ask, I will do it because I trust who you are. And as we begin to know that he loves us, it makes those things easier to do because the more I know that he loves me, the easier it is for me to trust him. Does this make sense this morning? If he becomes our desire, we will be willing to be used however he wants and we will become rooted and established in him. Amen? Amen. Let's stand this morning, guys. We're going to pray and be dismissed. If you need prayer for anything this morning, just please come up here afterward and we would love to pray with you. We'll have people up here who would love to pray with you. Maybe it has something to do with the sermon. Maybe it has nothing to do with the sermon at all. That's fine. If you want to know Jesus as your Savior, please find me. I want to pray with you because he will change your life forever. We're going to have snacks back in the back and stick around and just get to know people on your way out. Father, we love you and we thank you. God, I just thank you that you love us the way that you do. God, I ask that, that, that you would even just remind us every day how much you love us. God, let us be able to speak your the truth of the word of God, your word into our life that says, Jesus loves me. And God, I ask that you would help us be willing in those areas that we've always been unwilling. And God, if we are not willing, but we are willing to be made willing, then Holy Spirit, begin to work in those areas of our lives as well. How we want to say yes, and just sometimes it's so hard. But Jesus, you said yes. And what you went through was way harder than anything you've ever asked us to go through. So Jesus, I say I am willing to do what you, asking, what you are asking of me to do. God, I ask that you would just bless every family who is here, every family represented, all those who are traveling, all those who are unable to make it, all those who are sick. God, I ask that you would bring healing. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. And just bless everyone this week as they go about everything that you have called them to do. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, you're dismissed. Have a wonderful week. 
And we will see you all next Sunday.